All right, guys. Good morning again. Thanks for being here. If I haven't met you, my name is Mitchell, and I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch. Thanks for joining us this morning. You guys enjoyed worship? Yeah? Thankful for the presence of God? Me, me too. As you can see behind me, there's something, something happening. So uh, instead of a normal sermon, we're going to do a little uh, panel discussion today, and I'm excited for that. But before we jump into that, um, can you put that uh, media fast slide up there one more time? Um, so let me just talk about that. I'm going to read you kind of our theme verse through this fast. And I love that slide. Did you make that, Lindsay? Great. What you don't see is Lindsay's actually on the other side. She has a baseball bat, and that, that phone is just about to get boom, just cracked. Just kidding. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited for this. We did this last year. Uh, raise your hand real quick if you participated last year in this media fast. Okay, quite a few of you guys did, which is awesome. And, um, yeah, it's just such a great idea to change up what's become so normal for us and not just stop doing it to stop doing it, but to replace the time that we spend in something, for this example, it's media, and to get more extended time with God in his word, and I'll add, with the people of God. There's just something really special when we, when we change up something that's become so normal and part of our culture to seek God's face and to be with him more. And the Lord meets with us. He encounters us. He, he, helps, um, he helps us focus again on him. It's kind of like a recalibration that we all need oftentimes in our walk with God is just change something up for a little bit and then just get locked in again with the Lord. Our theme verse this year is from Psalm 20. If you can put this up, that'd be great. Psalm 27, verse 8. And it says this. It's really simple. It says, you have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Let me say it again. You have said, the Lord initiates. He says, seek my face. And then David's response is, my heart says to you, Lord, your face, Lord, do I seek. So the kind of theme for this three-week media fast is seeking the face of God. We're going to rediscover who God is and what he's like in a fresh way. There's a lot of different noise out there, a lot of different opinions about who God is and what he's like. But for these three weeks, we're going to press in to see, all right, we're going to look at his word. We're going to spend time in worship. We're going to spend time, uh, even more time than usual with each other, worshiping, seeking God's face and studying his word. So I just want to highly, again, encourage you guys to sign up and participate. And uh, I think it's going to be really fruitful. Amen? You got faith for that? Awesome. Okay, let me pray that, um, I'm going to pray that all of you would do it, and then we'll get into the message. So Lord, I just <laughs> thank you that um, you're here this morning, and Lord, we thank you for the media fast. And I do ask that um, you would put it on our hearts to engage in some way, to do something, uh, to be intentional, to seek your face um, in these first couple weeks of November. And Lord, would you meet with us? More than just a lot of us doing it, Lord, I pray that you would use it to change us, to recalibrate us, to help us seek your face. And so, Lord, we just, we just bless you, and we thank you for all that you're going to do through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, guys, well, we're going to do a little panel discussion. If you've been with us the last couple of weeks, we are, I think, in week three of a series called, And Then the End Will Come which that little phrase is taken from Matthew chapter uh, 24, verse 14, and it's the last little part of that verse. But the whole verse says, This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. And the premise for this whole series has been 
the fact that, you know, so many of us get, get worked up and get excited and get kind of hyper-focused on the end. What does it mean? When's the end coming? When's Jesus coming back? And, oh, my goodness, this thing's happening, and this apocalyptic thing's going on. And so we, we tend to focus on all those details, which is not wrong to understand the times that we're living in. But there are specific things even attached to this verse and throughout the whole um, chapter of Matthew 24 the Lord says, hey, this is where I want you to put your attention. He says, don't be deceived. He says, don't be alarmed. He says, endure to the end. And then the fourth thing we looked at a couple weeks ago was that, hey, this gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached in all of the world, and then the end will come. And I've just been asking that question. If, if, that's, if that's true, if the gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached, then who's going to preach it? The people of God, Right. Uh, just those crazy missionary people are going to preach it, right? No, no, no. We, the people of God, those that have the Spirit of God living in us and have been impacted by the amazing gospel, we are the ones to present that gospel to a world that needs it. Amen? And I know that it's uh, sometimes intimidating and sometimes scary. Some of us in this room, you've never shared your faith before. No matter where you're at, it's fine, but we want to lean into the grace of God, and we want to lean in together in the grace of God, to support each other in learning how to walk this out, how to live this out, that we can be a people that present the gospel to a world that needs it. And this morning, um, we are going to hear from people within our church that have taken this verse seriously and have engaged in not just ministering to people here locally, which is so valuable and so important. And next week, I'm going to dive in more about how do we minister to people here locally But this morning, we're going to hear from different people that have had experiences across the world in different cultures and different nations, different places around the world. And we're going to get to be inspired and stirred in our hearts about, okay, if they've done it, how can I participate? How can I engage in what God's doing around the world? All right, you guys ready to hear from some folks in our church? All right, so if you're on the panel, go ahead and come on up, sit in whatever chair you'd like. We've got Leslie Green, we got the Taryn Cobbs, and we got Sarah Johnson. Give it up for these guys. Woo, 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 woo. Grab a seat. Okay, I'm going to switch your mics here. You can take this one, Sarah. Hi, guys. All right, test one, two. We good? Awesome. All right, well, um, thanks for being on this panel, guys. You ready? Look at this stellar crew. This is amazing. Somebody take a picture, all right? Take multiple pictures. Oh, you got it? Okay, yeah. Awesome. How much are we paying you for that, Anna? All right. Okay, so... um, I've got a list of questions here that I'm going to be asking them, but before we jump into all the questions, go ahead and introduce yourself. So what's your name? What do you do? Uh, and tell us how you got connected to Antioch, all right? Go ahead, Sarah. Hi there. I am Sarah. Um, I work here at the church, and I originally got connected to Antioch because I went to college, and I had a friend from back home who started going to Antioch in College Station whenever they went to college, and so I jumped in and was like, hey, I know you. Can I come to your life group? And I went. There we go. All right. I'm Leslie Green, and we found this wonderful church uh, in the midst of a really tough church split, and uh, we attended what, was it the interest meeting, Uh I guess? And... um, and I just knew that this was going to be the place of healing for us. So we've been coming ever since then. That's been, what, two and a half? About two and a half years. December two 2019 is when you're yeah. at my house. Yeah. <laughs> Good memory. 
I'm Allie. I am a mom and a labor and delivery nurse. Woo! And um, I started going to ANOC when I was 10 years old in Waco. Wow. And um, chose where I wanted to go to college based on where an Antioch church was because I love the community so much. Great. And just feel like this is the church I'm going to run with for the rest of my life. So. Great. Um, my name is Tima, and I work for a local home builder. And uh, I got involved in Antioch when I went to college, and I went to a life group, and I was like, these people passionately love God, and I want to be around them. So been, yeah, going ever since. Awesome. Great. Okay, you can keep the mic down there, Tima. So next question, you guys get on the line. So tell us where in the world, like you can list off everywhere, but where have you been on a mission trip before, and which one was your favorite and why? Okay, yeah, so the first one I went to was in college was um, Uganda, and then shortly after that, I went to the Arab Peninsula, and then more recently, um, my wife and I went to Poland, and so... Definitely my favorite is the Arab Peninsula, and the reason is because that region is so unique, and that city just attracts people from all over the Middle East and just those areas, and they're all there for work, and they're all hungry for hope, and yeah. you just get to see that when every person you talk to, and so it's just a very unique, like, saturated area where you could freely share the gospel with People from unreached people groups. And so that was my favorite. That's awesome. Allie, what about you? I have been to um, Mexico and Uganda, um, India, the Middle East, the South Asian islands, <laughs> and most recently, um, Poland. Okay, and great. my favorite was probably Poland just because of the circumstances un under yeah. which we went. We went um, to help with the Ukrainian refugees there. And just like stepping into that place of need um, and seeing God's hand and was just really powerful and stirring to me. So that's Great. my favorite. Great. Yeah, we'll get to hear a little more about that trip in a little bit. Leslie? So I have probably been to over 30 countries in my lifetime, but I've only uh, been yeah, to one. I've only been to <laughs> one on a mission trip. <laughs> only one okay, on a mission all right, trip. All right, all right. And that is Ukraine. And we've been involved in Ukraine since 2010. And uh, our, we are, our ministry there is with uh, the gypsy population. So okay. it's my favorite because I love Ukrainians and I love the gypsies. Great. Awesome. I have been to Nicaragua and Southeast Asia and the Arab Peninsula. I'd say my favorite was Southeast Asia because I got miraculously healed from a pretty intense food allergy while I was there. So that was exciting. <laughs> wow. wow, that's encouraging. Wow, the Lord sent you halfway across the world to receive healing. Okay, we'll take it. All right, well, thanks for sharing. And um, let me just pause talking to them for a second. Let me just share with you guys. Um, I've shared bits and pieces of this over the last couple of years, kind of my journey in participating in um, what God's doing around the world and not just participating in what he's doing right here. And again, it's a journey for every single one of us. The first time I heard people talking about overseas missions, I was like, that's nice for them. And I'm going to follow Jesus here, you know. Uh, but the Lord took me on this journey of really, what does the word of God say? What is God's heart? How big is it? And then, and then really the breakthrough happened when I finally went. So uh, my wife, well, at the time, she was my fiance, was really passionate about going on a mission trip two weeks before we got married. 
And I said, all right, let's do it. <laughs> and uh, anyways, going, that was Uganda. Um, going is what opened my eyes and opened my heart and helped me understand more of the global vision that God has for the uh, people of the world being reached with the gospel. Um, and so there's a starting place for everybody, but I think my, my direct and bold encouragement is that 100% of us would be engaged in some way in what God's doing around the world. Probably most of us are not going to live in another nation for the rest of our lives, but all of us can do three things, and this is a phrase we use often. We can all pray, we can all give, and we can all go. Okay, so, say pray, pray, say give, yeah. say go. Okay, and, and I, I mean all three of those things, and another common uh, kind of stumbling block for some is, okay, I can pray and give because I can do that in the U.S., but I don't think I can go unless I go. And I want to just encourage you to not cross off the last one just because you're going to take the first two seriously. And again, the Lord's so gracious to us in our journeys, but I think there's just something like that God does in us when we go to places outside of our norms and our comforts. That like it just he, he he can't do it any other way. Of course he can, but I think that the fruit that we experience is just special when we when we end up saying yes and we go. All right. So um, turning back to you guys, um, why do you care about people halfway across the world in different nations, people you've never met before? Why do you care about them experiencing Jesus, hearing the gospel? Like why does it matter to you? Um, I would say. Really, in, in short, I am really convinced that Jesus cares, and I follow him. And then uh, one experience that I had in Southeast Asia was I met this girl. I was talking to her through a translator, and I mentioned, have you ever heard the name of Jesus before? And she said, no. And I was just like, you've never heard the name of Jesus? And all it took was me hopping on a pretty long plane ride, but, like, that, and then I just met you, and there is, like, a God in heaven who loves you and cares for you and gave his entire life for you, and you've never heard of him, and so and all it took was me giving up a little bit of time and money, and that feels, like, so small for you hearing the name of Jesus. Wow, amen. Leslie, why do you care? Well, um, Growing up, my dad really instilled a, a interest in co other cultures, people from different places um, to me. And so that was kind of my first step. And then um, when I became a Christian, you know, it just became very obvious that God cares about the nations, wants us to go to the nations. So, um, you know, even though I've only really been invested in one place as far as missions goes. Um, it's It's been a very important part of our lives and um, I think very honoring to God and it, it has taught us so much. They have taught us more than we could ever teach them. So. That's awesome. I think what keeps me going back is just the reality that people are so hungry for the gospel. And like Sarah said, you meet someone who's, like, been waiting for this their entire life and is, like, desperate to hear what you have to say. And it's kind of addicting because you're like, <laughs> like, wow. 
I have to keep doing this. Like people are, it's like the verse in the Bible that says, you know, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. There's a need. There's people who are desperate to know it. And all you have to do is say yes, and then you can meet that need that they have. So that's why I keep coming back. Amazing. Yeah, I think naturally we really don't think about people from other nations because we're so consumed with ourselves. And, you know, if you're like me, you don't have like a strong people group in your mind, but just to be obedient to whatever God's calling you to. And then through your obedience, you begin to pray for those people that you're going to go see. And then when you meet them, you get God's heart for them and God's love for them. And then you get to see their brokenness, their hopelessness, and just the fact that no one's told them or they never grew up in a church. And you just kind of carry that nation for the rest of your life. Um, these people that you might have met for just one week or two weeks, they're going to be on your heart for the rest of your life just because you finally get to put a face to them. And that's just something powerful that happens um, when you just obey what God told us to do, which is just go. Awesome. Great. Thanks for sharing, guys. Okay, so in y'all's journey and process, I know bits and pieces of it, but I'm sure there's some you know, at least obstacles or some reasons that are great for maybe to not engage with what God's doing around the world. And it could be, you know, we all have our reasons. I'm saying the word reasons because that's a nice way to say excuses. But anyways, <laughs> we all have our reasons for, you know, not engaging, you know, anything from, oh, it's too much money or what if there's, you know, what if it's dangerous? What if I get sick? Or, you know, the real spiritual one is, no, I'm only called to America. I held on to that one for a while. But anyways, just we've got all these reasons why we don't engage. So kind of y'all go down the line here. What's your response to some of those reasons that either you've had in your heart or you've heard other people say? How do you respond to that? Yeah, I've, I've had a lot of uh, reasons and excuses <laughs> to not want to go. Um, I'd say the biggest for me is just fear, fear of man, fear of being uncomfortable, um, fear of the unknown. Um, and then you have all the other ones like um, family who might discourage you, even though I have like a really godly family, they still will sometimes be used to discourage me, and that's something I just have to overcome, um, and so yeah, I'd say, um, yeah, you're, you're always going to make excuses for things you don't want to do, but you have to press past that, and if you like look at the men of faith in the Bible, they always initially made excuses. They always initially said, but God or no, I can't. And through just that, like, pushing through in faith of, like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just going to go forward. Um, God's always faithful in the end. So yeah. you're just going to have to push through those feelings. They're going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Yeah, I think I just, I don't know, all the things that could stop me, I just don't want to look back at my life on the end and just say that I lived a comfortable Christian life. I, like, want to be a part of what God is doing all over the world. And so I just don't want anything to stop me because I want that to be my story. I want my story to be one of adventures with Jesus, of saying yes every time I had an opportunity um, and not just, like, choosing to be comfortable. So that's just what I want my life to be. Amen. Starting with the end in mind. That's, that's amazing. Um, well, I wrote down a few things because I didn't want to get nervous and forget. But anyway, <laughs> so first of all, everyone's called. And 
it's very valuable to go outside the U.S. Um, at least one time because it, it just grows your heart for the nations and for other people that are different from you. Um, the money, well, is the money that's spent is a worthy investment, and um, it's it's also like a learning experience having to raise funding, right, Kelly? And um, a humbling experience, and so um, you'll be amazed how God will show up to meet your needs, so you can go. And then one of the things I think you mentioned as as a potential excuse was illness and danger. And those are possible. Um, we had friends who served in India for over five years, and they were sick for almost all of it. But they stayed. It was that important to them. Um, and then I've been studying Acts, and um, I'm to the part now where uh, everybody had warned Paul, don't go to Jerusalem, don't do it, don't do it. And he just wanted so badly to go there and preach to his people. And so he did it anyway, and then he got a good beat down when he got there, Um, (laughs) which I'm sure wasn't fun. Um, But there's always risk of danger, of illness, of, you know, something happening. And you just have to decide, you know, is the gospel worth it? And am I going to go in my own strength? And I would say the gospel's worth it. Um, We've had a few incidences that were a little bit dicey, but... um, you know, the gospel's worth it, and you just have to realize that you're not doing it in your own strength. You're, you have to depend on God. Amen. Dicey. I like that word. Thanks. Um, the verses that came to mind whenever you sent us this question was Luke chapter 9, verse 23. It says, this is Jesus talking. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would lose his life will... St- Whoever will save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Um, And so whenever I look at all of my reasons not to go, and through that lens, they sound like me just trying to stay comfortable. And so it's like every time that I choose to go or choose to jump into a mission trip, I, like, have all these fears and reasons that I don't want to go, but I, like, come back to this verse, and I'm like, God, I, I'm not going to, kind of like what Ali was saying, I'm not going to live a life where I'm, like, holding on to everything that I have. I'm going to let it go and trust that you will, like, restore it, and you'll, he actually gives me things that are better, and he gives me things that will last, and all of these things, reasons that I wouldn't go or like, gonna fade away but whenever I choose to let go of those things that I like think that I care about he gives me these treasures that will last for eternity so yes amen great okay thanks for sharing guys they really just hit every one of our reasons and excuses so you can thank them later not me you can thank them uh but hey let's let me hear a couple specifics so this one's for Leslie um you went to Ukraine recently and so um tell us about when did you go? What did you guys practically do? And then tell us a few experiences that you had there that were encouraging. And then also, how did it impact your life? Okay. So I actually went this past April of this year. And that all started because I was, I was just a nervous wreck um, for Ukraine in general and for our, our friends over there. 
They're very dear to us. And um, so I had been having conversation with some of them and just saying, you know, is there anything I can do? Is it worth going? Like, would I be in the way? You know, what what can I do? And so um, the two main guys that we work with um, immediately said yes. You know, if you're willing to come, well, you know, we'll, we'll make sure that you can stay somewhere. You know, we'd love for you to come help. So um, I did that, and, um, you know, I was worried not only about the tremendous influx of um, people from the war zone coming over to the west, where uh, the city we serve in, Mukachevo, is, um, y- you know, but I was worried about our local gypsy community there because they live on a, a margin anyway. And, um, you know, they were starting to suffer because they can't go outside the country now to work. Um, so they they were in a poverty situation that was here, and now it's down here. So um, I ju- I, they were just on my heart. And uh, when I got there, we basically um, used funding that I brought and that another lady from Hungary brought and we helped them buy uh, food, and we made food parcels. They had a warehouse of, like, donated, um, I guess, personal items. I don't know what else to call them, you know, like soap and shampoo and diapers, that kind of thing. And um, so we just made these food parcels and these personal parcels, and we handed them out um, to different refugees that had kind of been settled in the area, um, we also gave some to, like, uh, b- well, before I came, they gave a bunch to, like, the local government that was also dealing with all these refugees. I mean, it was just, it's like a city the size of, what would you say, John, like 30,000 people? And they were getting, like, I think by the time I got there, they'd already had, like, close to 40,000 people come through that area. You know, a lot of them were going to Poland, Czech, Germany, other places, but... Um, many filtered through there. So they had given some food to them, and then when I got there, we gave food to just different refugees that had been settled there and to churches that were also helping in other little communities. And um, then we bought, um, brought food to um, this one boxing school that had been converted to an area to minister to the refugees. So... Um, it was really encouraging to see both Christians and non-Christians meeting needs. Um, you know, one half of the country was meeting the needs of the other half of the country. And um, everybody pulled together in Transcarpathia, which is the region that I work out of, um, to house them and feed them. Um, the boxing school coordinator um, actually... Um, went down to Mariupol, which was one of the places that was frequently being bombed. And he went down there and he picked up a bunch of people, brought them back up northwest to Mukachevo and housed them in the boxing ring. And there were people like with beds around the boxing ring, on the boxing ring, in, in other rooms and areas of this boxing school. And um, he was not a Christian, but we all made sure as a group that we, you know, thanked him and that we told him, um, you know, you have a heart like God. And so we just made sure that he knew that what he was doing was 
from the heart of God, whether he knew it or not. Um, and it, you know, this was all at his personal cost as well. So um, I was really encouraged also to see just the gypsy community and the body of Christ there to carry on um, despite air raid sirens all the time, uh, their own personal fears, their own personal needs. They were still meeting the needs of these refugees coming in, but also meeting the needs of people who were just falling further and further off the ledge within their own community. Um, um, I participated along with the lady in Hungary, from Hungary, in a little children's program that they were having for the week before Easter. And um, it brought a sense of, like, normalcy and just, like, um, I don't know, like, comfort. And um, anyway, it was, so it was fun to be with the kids again, um, to teach about, you know, how Jesus came into Jerusalem. Palm, you know, they were preparing for, I think, Palm Sunday. And um, we got to talk with them a little bit about their fears and concerns and you know, but these these gypsy leaders just continued on despite their own, like, yeah. mental and emotional exhaustion. Um, they were just amazing how they, you know, didn't waver. Yeah. So did you want me to say how it impacted me? Sure. That yeah. part? Okay. So <laughs> um, it was just barrels of fun traveling by myself. Um, had lots of flight delays. You had a bird's nest in one of the engines of a plane. Um, COVID testing, like you wouldn't believe. Um, but anyway, uh, ministering to traumatized people is just a hard thing. It just really is. Um, it's difficult, emotionally draining. Um, but the trip gave me a lot of assurance and confidence, um, like you said, Allie, to just not take the easy road and to not, you know, set your life on a pillar of comfort and security, um, but to go when God says, I need you. I need you to go. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing, You're Leslie. So encouraging. And I just want you guys to, you know, not miss that. It all started with her reaching out to some people with the question, how can I help? How can I help? So it didn't start with this, like, you know, she had this amazing time with God listening to some Lindy Kofer song about the nations being reached. And, yeah, I'm going. It's just like, can I help you? <laughs> you know, like, if you know who Lindy Kofer is, then you'll understand. But um, anyways, it just starts with a simple desire to serve those that are in need. And, again, this is Ukraine. You know, this is, when we see it on the news, it's like, oh, my goodness, danger, danger. We'll pray, but I don't want to get too close. But the love of God compels us to get close to danger sometimes. And there are real faces, real people, fellow believers in need halfway across the world. doesn't mean that we all have to go, but just when the Lord gives us opportunities, we go and we serve. And it starts with a simple, how can I help? Mm -hmm. And the Lord opens up doors. And uh, so I'm so proud of you for going. So way to go. And so thankful for those people getting to be blessed by your yes. It's amazing. Okay, Taryn Coffs, um, similar, similarly, within the last few months, they got close uh, to Ukraine. They went to Poland. And so you guys tell us again about that journey, how that come about, what you guys do while you were there, and any stories or ways that it impacted you you want to share? Yeah, so pretty crazy how we ended up there. Um, World Mandate last year, um, 
Allie had gotten just a impression from God to Ukraine that um, to pray for them as well as just we may get an opportunity to go. And this was way before the war, which was really cool. But uh, so the war broke out, um, and there's a branch of Antioch called Acts of Mercy that goes like to disaster relief areas, and they just kind of mentioned something like, hey, if you're ever interested to receive newsletters, to give, or to maybe go, just like email this and fill out the survey. And so we just kind of filled it out, not knowing what would come of it. Um, and then they asked us, hey, would you want to go? We said, no, we can't. We can't go this month because um, Allie was in nursing school. Um, and we just like, well, maybe it's like the end of the summer. Um, and then in preparation, we're like, well, let's just kind of get our passports renewed. We got, we got Elias a passport. Who, he was like nine months at the time, our little baby. Um, and then, yeah, <laughs> so we were in between this transition of Allie um, being off of school and then, yeah, for, for like two weeks. And then Allie got her passport back. We we're waiting for Elias's. And then they emailed us Tuesday morning and said, hey, there's a team leaving on Sunday. Do you, can you go? We need anyone to go. Wow. We have a leader, but we have no one else going. Um, and we were like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> and then we walked to our mailbox, and we pulled up. We opened our mailbox, and sure enough, there was Elias's passport. And <laughs> Allie, being the wife that's like, go, 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 she was like, let's go. Let's go. And I was like, that's Sunday. That's this Sunday. And me, being the fearful one and the one that's like tries to think through all the you know, possibilities, um, I remember just like being silent because I was like digging for excuses why not to go, you know. And I remember being like, I, I think I have a dentist appointment. <laughs> I was like, No, dang it, that's next week. Can't, can't use that excuse. Um, so yeah, so literally that night I was gonna we're praying about it, and I was like, No, I don't think we'll go. It's too crazy. It's ridiculous. There's no way. That's there's no way you can go. And then the next morning. As I was driving to work, this was Wednesday morning, um, the word came to me, and I was like, if you don't go now, you won't get the chance to go again. And I, at first, I was like, oh, is that from Satan? I don't know if that's like <laughs> a discouragement. Um, but yeah, so driving to work, I just felt like, all right, God, this is a chance, and I don't want to miss what you're doing because of my selfish, fearful reasons. And so, yeah, on Wednesday, we said yes. Um, and then by the grace of God, within like 48, like 36 hours, all the money came in. Just, we like just texted a couple people and then just people gave out of abundance. Um, and so yeah, Sunday we jumped on a plane. We brought our 10 month old son. Um, my parents literally told me not to go. You're crazy. You're foolish. All the things that like all the insecurities I was feeling, which was a hard thing to overcome. But God was faithful, and we showed up in Poland, and essentially, there was a giant expo center that they housed thousands of refugees coming um, from Ukraine, and they would stay there and then go somewhere else, and it was just a warehouse full of cots, just all these beds, and one of the um, local people had set up a children's center in kind of each corner of these expo centers, and Acts of Mercy got connected, and they basically told the government, hey, we are going to come and do trauma care with these children. 
um, because the government really doesn't want a lot of religious people in there. Um, and so, in a sense, we were there to do trauma relief with these young children, but really quickly we realized all the moms in the room, they had room moms who basically were paid to just watch the kids so they didn't kill each other, being kids. <laughs> Not literally, but... <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we realized, oh, most of these are from a local church, and they're all believers, and they welcomed us to do Bible stories. And so, essentially, yeah, we each day would go there um, with a translator, and there ended up just being me, Allie, and one other person. And so it was really small. But we just would meet with these children um, and play games and then tell them Bible stories. And again, it's like, I mean, you just don't realize that most people don't grow up around Jesus, don't grow up in the church. Even our translator, who was like a 17-year-old uh, Ukrainian girl, had never heard of this, like who the name Esther. She'd never heard of these very basic Bible stories, which was mind-blowing to me. But... Um, in the end, it was really powerful because we like were there, weren't necessarily supposed to be sharing um, Jesus, but the opportunity was there. And so on our last day there, we were like, let's just go all in. Um, they're receptive. The kids are receptive. And so on our last day, we did like the bridge diagram where we told the full gospel and the kids made like a bead bracelet that like share the gospel story. And in, I think in total, like 40 kids heard the gospel, and like all of them were receptive, had their hands up. Wow. It was really powerful, and you just, you don't realize, but there was so much trauma, and these kids received so much trauma, um, just like living and fleeing a war zone, and I'm, Allie can share a story about that. Yeah, so one testimony that we got to see was, um, that stands out to me the most, was these two siblings, I think they're around 10 and 13, and they were just super hungry for what for Jesus and for stories. And they're like, you know, tell me, more, tell us more, tell us more. And we got to sit down with them for extended time and share the gospel. And they received Jesus. Um, and they were most drawn to like Jesus's heart for peace. And they were like, tell, like Jesus can really bring peace to my heart. They're we like, yes, he really can. He's the God of peace. Wow. Made me emotional. Um, but like through them accepting Jesus, we got to meet their their parents and their mom. Um, and learned that um, the night before they had they had flown from the the war zone, the front lines, and they had traveled to the refugee center with two cars, and one of them didn't make it from a bomb. Wow. Um, so the half their their group, they the kids had had seen them die like that morning, you know. And so just the fact that we were there and got to they got to receive Jesus in wow. that just like the most devastating time. And got to, like, learn that God has a heart that can give them peace. It's just, like, so moving to me. Because, you know, we're, we're no one special. But we got to, like, step into such a, like, valuable time in their life when they had so much need yeah. for a Savior. So it's really was encouraging to me. But um, also just really hard and heavy. But um, Jesus is really faithful to me, especially children in those places. And we got to see that time and time and time again. So... It was, yeah, very impactful trip for me. But. Awesome. So glad you guys got to go. Real quick before you pass it on, tell us about bringing Elias. Now bringing a 10-month-old. Um, you know, I, I brought my children on mission trips before and received some flack for it, mainly from the grandparents. But, you know, so yeah. just tell us about that process for you guys. You know, why? Um, it was, we just 
wanted to bring him. Um, he's still breastfeeding and still, you know, attached to mama at that point, and so it's easier to bring him along. But we also just kind of felt like God, we had freedom from God, and we felt like God gave us a word that he's actually, instead of being a hindrance, that he was actually going to open doors for us. And we saw that so many times. Yeah. I got to just, like, connect with a mom who had a kid that was born the same day as him wow. under completely different circumstances, obviously. And we got to, like, really, really invest in her. And our kids just play together the whole time. The Ukrainians are very, like, communal. So all of the older <laughs> girls just, like, carried him around all day long <laughs> and just, like, loved, loved it so much. And one of the things that our family had said was, you're going to take him into a refugee center. He's going to get sick. Like, they told us that multiple times. And Tim and I actually did get sick. We got a cold. And Elias never got sick once, Ooh. not even when we got back. Like, he was just healthy and fine. And we were really thankful. And it was also really crazy. And we had <laughs> super long plane rides where one of them, how long was that ride? Where he, he just, like, refused to sleep for a very long amount of hours. <laughs> And he was just not crying. He was just awake. We were like, <laughs> is this fine? Is he going to, you know, is this fine? But he was fine. <laughs> <laughs> just awake on your lap, staring at you. Yes. Don't fall asleep, Mom. Yeah, uh, and I'll, so share, I'll share one more thing. That, <laughs> that word God gave me is, if you don't go now, you won't get the chance to go again. I like, we got to see that confirmed because we were like, we'll go in September. But turns out, they stopped sending people to that area, and they were sending them to, like, Kiev at that point. And looking back, it's like, you know, we probably, we definitely could not have gone had we just said no to that initial invitation. And so it was cool to see, you know, that chance, and we didn't miss it, which I was yeah. thankful we did. Awesome. Praise the Lord. So glad you guys got to go. Okay, before parting words, Sarah, specific question for you is, like, yeah, I mean, obviously we work closely with each other, and every time these mission trip opportunities come up, what I notice about you is it's just an easy, quick, yes, I'll go. Yes, tell me where. Anywhere. I'll go. Uh, help us understand, because that's not everybody's response, so why is it such a quick and easy yes for you? Okay, so there's like a practical side to this in my brain, and then there's another little thing I'll share, but the practical side, I'm like, why would I not? Like, I am young, I'm single, there's not a lot of reasons for me to just stay. I can pretty easily just pick up and hop on a plane tomorrow and go. So I'm like, why would I not? It's never going to get easier as my life progresses. It's not going to get any easier. So I should just go now. Um, and then on the other side, I might get emotional things. But um, the like whole point of this series, I'm like... I don't know about you guys, I'm really looking forward to that day when Jesus returns and he restores everything. I'm like, God, please come soon. And I'm so excited for that day. And I don't want, there's, most of the time whenever I'm like talking to the Lord about something, it's never been like, you, you must go. It's like, you must do this. You must, he never has forced me to do anything but he, like, gives me this gentle invitation to, like, hey, why don't, why don't you pick up and move here? Why don't you pick up and do this? Why don't why wouldn't you do this? And it's this gentle invitation that whenever I've done it, every single time I've received more of him. And it's never this, Sarah, you, you're forced to do this. It's like, hey, Sarah, why don't you come and, like, experience more of me and do this with me? And so whenever... I, I, like, don't want to stand before Jesus on that day and say, 
that I said no to any invitation from him. I, like, want to stand before him and say, I said yes every time that you invited me to do something, and I have no regrets about any, any of the times that I've said yes. I, like, I said yes every time you invited me to do something so that you could receive the reward of your suffering and spend eternity with the people who you died for. Amen. So good. All right, guys, so wrap, wrap us up here. Give us some parting words of encouragement. So you're looking across this crowd, about 100, 120 people. Like, what is your parting word of encouragement to them about their engagement in overseas missions? Sarah, you can start. Um, I just would say, go for it. Like, give it, give it one try. What do you have to lose? Go for it and see what God does in and through you. Um, but also, if there's any of those reasons that we have mentioned today or if there's any any reason that we haven't mentioned any any reason that you wouldn't go take them first before you've made any decision put all put your decisions aside and take those reasons to Jesus and just see what he would have to say about them because he like he cares about those things that are on your heart he really really cares and he wants to speak into them and so I would say that, and then also take them to trusted peers that you're walking with, those reasons that, you, like, it might, it might be hard. You might not want to bring them to light because then you're forced to face them. But it's like, do take the hard thing and bring those things to God and to trusted peers and let those trusted people speak into them and then make your decision. Because like I've said, any time that those things have come up and Jesus has invited me to do something, I, like, receive more of him whenever I wrestle through those things, even before I've, like, chosen to go or do whatever. Awesome. Thanks, Sarah. Same. Leslie, parting words. Um, I would say, you know, take the uh, Great Commission seriously. We're all called, um, and whether... That means you'll spend the bulk of your life witnessing to your local community or your workplace, or it means, you know, you go overseas or stay overseas. You know, we're all called. Um, and that God uses um, imperfect people, and he supplies everything needed. He just needs a willing heart. And, um, you know, you guys, I am so boring and so, like, have nothing to offer Really, I, I have nothing to offer except for the love of other people because God loved me. And so, you know, just consider that. Consider what God has done for you and how um, there's a local church on every street corner here, but that's not necessarily true in other places. So. Yeah, I just think that God has adventures um, for everyone, and I would just encourage you guys, like, don't miss out on it. I think, I think God has, like, yeah, just, he's, he's a fun God, and, and there's, like, so many things that I've gotten to do because I've been to these places I wouldn't get to do in America. This is, like, kind of not spiritual reason, um, but, he, like, really, there's, like, adventures that you wouldn't have here by saying yes to going there, and, like I said earlier, the people are just hungry, and, um, the harvesters are few, so we need more. Yeah, I'd say first is be willing because God's seeking willing hearts. He's seeking who wants to go or who's willing to go, not 
feel like most time I don't want to go, but <laughs> I just say yes, and then I never regret it. And so be willing, and God will bring you opportunities. Um, and then also, something I always have to force myself to believe is that I don't want to do this, but I know I won't regret it when it's done. And I think that's so true with every um, step of faith we take and every obedience. And so you really want to look at yourself from a third person and say, no, do it, because you're not going to regret it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, don't be consumed by yourself, because it's going to hold you back for everything. It's good. So good. Hey, can we give it up for these guys right here? I mean, we, I feel like we just scratched the surface of what's in them, but thank you guys so much for being willing to share from your experiences and just the things God's uh, teaching you, and it's just so encouraging to see, like, I mean, you're, you're one of, you guys are one of us, and um, the Lord's invited all of us into this, and we can all engage. So, Tima, I want you to pray over us, and then we'll close it out uh, by just talking about one more thing before we dismiss this morning. Go ahead, Tima. Yeah, Jesus, we just, uh, yeah, thank you for this word, and I thank you um, that you are the God who calls us to do great adventures and be um, something greater than ourselves and to join in your mission. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would convict every heart to just say yes, to say yes, wherever it may look like. Um, And Lord, I just pray that we'd be people of faith, not people of great strength, but people of faith who just simply say yes. And in that weakness of just that small yes, that we would see you move in power. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. All right, give it up for these guys one more time as they head back to their seats. Thanks, guys.